0: You are listening to Keith Price's Curtain Call. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Keith Price's Curtain Call. And, you know, we're in the middle of the Tony season right now, and everybody's buzz, buzz, buzz. <laughs> What's going on with Dear Evan Hansen? Do you love come from away? What's your story? What's your take? What happened to poor Amelie? Closing. Um... I didn't get a ticket, closing. Anyway, and so it's really wonderful because one of the things that I always say, and this is as much as I would like to come for a show, perhaps like maybe Anomaly or something, I have to give it to the new original musical, like something that's different, something that's new, a story that's being told that we don't normally get. Um, And I am sitting here now with the young lads. <laughs> Thank you. Do you go on. <laughs> The young Do you really? I'm learning that I have to do that at my age now. Oh my God. The black don't crack thing goes for only so far and then eventually you're going to have to <laughs> cop to the moisturizing. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tim Rosser and Charlie Sohn are here with me with their brand new play that they're bringing now from the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Having a New York premiere. They couldn't they couldn't premiere it here in New York the first time. But it's having its New York premiere because its its world premiere was done on the West Coast. We're not angry, theater people. We're not angry. You gotta go uh, where the work is. We're Come starting
1: on. on the ends and working our way <laughs> to the middle. That's what <laughs> yeah, we thought yeah. we'd do. <laughs> but this one, Denver, piece. you're next.
0: Denver, we're coming kind of <laughs> The boy who danced on air. And again, as you read, <laughs> again, I have not yet seen it. And I will own. I will cop to the fact that I didn't get to see it. But when I was told by your publicist, Keith, you better get your ass on the program because it's going to be the next one to stop. And it's really interesting because again, I just got through talking to someone who's in the star of a new musical that's happening off Broadway as well. Who, again, it's I that particular uh, playwright and and um, booking lyricist and composer person. I, I looked at him and I thought, oh my God, what is this kid going to tell me about my life? Or whatever or what story you going to bring to me, young person? And I had to get over myself after I saw it. Excuse me. <clears throat> I had to get over myself when I saw it. And, you know, this piece, a modern day love story set in rural Afghanistan, stopped. I mean, literally, <laughs> period. That's where the period is. <laughs> Y'all. Okay, because I don't want to be the one to say it, and and please do not be offended when I say this to you. But y'all are two of the whitest young people I have ever seen. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Stop it.
1: You say that to everyone who's in this room, don't you?
0: What the shish kebab do you all know about Afghanistan and being gay in Afghanistan? Talk to me. That's how we're going to start this piece. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Uh,
2: well, I mean, the, the answer is that, you know, six years ago when we started writing this piece, we did not know much at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it really started with this documentary called uh, The Dancing Boys of Afghanistan uh, that was on Frontline on PBS. And you can watch it online, quick plug. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's... So So the show deals with a practice called bachabazi, uh, where uh, these wealthy older men... Uh, Buy boys from poorer families, and they train them to dance and uh, parade them around at parties, and very often sexually abuse the boys. Um, and watching this documentary was very eye-opening for us because we really didn't know anything about it before. I,
0: well, I'm sitting here just as uh, you know, eyes wide open as you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like and, what?
2: Yeah, and it was it was striking um, because. A lot of the men who participate in the practice consider themselves very religious. Um, mm-hmm. And they have, uh, you know, as we read more and more interviews with the men, um, they, they all have ways in which they've sort of, um, they talk about the practice in terms of tradition, and they all have ways in which they've adjusted their uh, concept of their religion and their concept of their tradition to incorporate bazi, basically. Um, and so it said a lot to us, I think, about, um, you know, how highly personalized the idea of tradition is and how, you know, it, our ideas of tradition affect the way that we live our lives. And we had so many conversations about, you know, our personal lives and, mm-hmm. and how that manifests itself. But at its core, it's also, you know, tradition isn't a monolithic thing that means the same thing to everybody. Right. Um, so <laughs> I mean, for us, that
0: practice sounds real creepy. Mm.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, it was it was it was so far away from what our experience was, and at the same time, there were so many because um, we also read a ton of interviews with the boys, um, and uh, there were. Uh, I think the thing that we knew is we didn't want to write a show that was like oh look at look at this thing that happens mm-hmm. over there, and like that that would hold people at an arm's distance and what we wanted to do was really talk about sort of the elements of common humanity and um the way that uh people and societies deal with tradition and and the tensions and variation within that. um so I think that was like the uh, the seed of it, and I think for us it was then you know it took us a while to decide to write this show um because of a lot of uh, the sensitivities involved, um, but we just kept coming back to the idea, and once we decided to start writing it 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 really um I think we both knew that there there was a tremendous obligation to get it right, right. you know. Um, so I think that, um, uh, but on the other hand, I will say that there is something that, um, you know, we, I think that that uh, theater, uh, particularly musical theater, modern musical theater, um, I think that we have a belief that there are a lot of things that musicals can talk about, um, and I think that a lot of people have very set ideas of Um, the kind of people who should be in musicals and you know uh, and and it's very right now as a culture musical theater culture I think is very narrow Um, and I think that there was a lot of us um, in looking for subject matter that we didn't want to you know write a uh, (laughs) write a story of like the two of us, like, graduating from liberal arts college. <laughs> Which is having, a really interesting story. <laughs> yeah, 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 but... I think it's called Avenue Q.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but, I mean, like, like actually. <laughs> but, th- so, so that's great, though, because Avenue Q, like, found a way to tell that story in a theatrically innovative really way. Really wonderful, yeah. Um, but um, I think that musical theater could use a lot of that, like, could use a lot more Perspective and a lot more ambition, and a lot more people taking risks and and opening up the genre to um, to more than than what it currently is, you know, audience wise. Wow, and, you know,
0: wow, Charlie Sun with me, <laughs> <laughs> with this piece, Tim Rosser with me, talking about the boy who danced on air, and uh, y- you know, it's going to be happening. Actually, it's going to start its run on May fifteenth. Through June June 11th at the Ab- Abingdon, I almost have the hardest time with that mm. Abingdon theater companies, June Havoc Theater. Oh my God! Did June Havoc Theater come on? Gypsy, hello, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Hi there, Gypsy's sister that didn't make it happen. Um, <laughs> We're getting out of history today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when you sit in the room
1: with an old. Queen. Um, <laughs>
2: Which is actually like how I like to spend most time. It. <laughs> you accurate. learned so much. Yeah.
0: <laughs> come sit next to me, darling. Um So again, now, so for you, Tim, you're bringing music into this. So. Yeah. So where do you draw your inspiration for the music for this piece? Because I mean, I'm I'm assuming. Again, and I have to cop to that, because I, I always try to be as honest and upfront as I can, is that I have not yet seen this, and I have not previewed any of the music. Because I, when I do sit down to see this, I'm going to sit down and be as fresh as I can with everything. Awesome. Um, mm. But for you, where did you draw um, your musical energy into this piece? Like, where, where, did, you, where, where did you start I should say. Good
1: question. Uh, so I I think just like Charlie was saying, when we initially talked about writing the piece, I was super hesitant. I think partially because I knew all of the work I would have to do, all the research, like just <laughs> straight like up really research, lazy. you know, I'm super lazy. I have things to do. <laughs> um, and uh, I, you know, I was, I, I was, I was really nervous because I didn't, I, I knew that the task ahead of a person writing a score for this story is monumental and I was starting at square one. Mm-hmm. Like I my background is classical music. I played piano growing up, what musical you know, yeah. musical theater composer, yeah. you know, stereotype. Um and I uh I grew up on musical theater. The music man was my first great love, you know. All right. Wilson um, well, goes a long way. <laughs> <they>? <laughs> he sure does. It's you the- uh, and <laughs> Um uh but yeah so so I was I was I was really anxious about it. It was just going to be our second project. We'd just written a project uh that was very very different from this one mm-hmm. and um I was very hesitant to do it and uh I think I think the moment that I knew I really wanted to do it was when I could start to see it and I started to see it cuz Charlie wrote this treatment. It was only a couple of pages long about what it would be. And he knew I was very hesitant, and he was like, "Take a look at this, and actually read what the story would be." And I, w- I was so moved by it; I, w- I, connected to it immediately, which was so surprising I was to say, me. How so? I know exactly. Like search me. And I think I realized,
0: man. What? What? You know what? What's let like me tell man? you about <laughs> Pittsburgh.
1: Um, <laughs> no, I had a beautiful childhood. Um, Hi, mom. <laughs> I'm sure she's listening. Um, <laughs> uh, I no, but uh, that's what was so surprising. I yeah. was like, "How on earth am I reading a treatment and crying by the end of Act One?" Like a treatment—it's just words, like words that tell you what's going to happen. It's you're you know, in tears. and I, and I was like, "This story is so powerful. I'm so scared. I'm going to screw this up, but I have to try. Like I wow. have to try to do it." And uh, and you know, so my starting point, obviously, what I did a ton of reading initially. Actually, I, I because I didn't even know the answers to simple questions like how does music play a role in the life of an Afghan person? You know, like right. wh- where do they listen to music yeah. and uh, what functions does it serve like in their lives? What's
0: on the Afghan top forty? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need to
1: get in there. Um, so there was a lot to find out about, and yeah. and before I could even start saying, oh, I connect a lot to this music, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and and the 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 music I really did connect the most with almost. Immediately was uh, folk music, uh, and I I I I think it's because I have a sweet spot for acoustic music. I love learning about new instruments, the uh, uh, and and the instruments uh, that are common in Afghanistan are super interesting, and they all have these giant histories behind them, and specific ways they're played, and beautiful timbres that you're not used to hearing, and. Uh, and so I, you know, I kind of got absorbed by these songs and I bought all these CDs that were called like tea house music <laughs> and, um, and I listened and wrote, wrote down notes for myself about what, uh, struck me the most. Just, you know, things like, oh, they, you know, the rebab played a melody and it tremoloed every note and that was really striking to me right. and I wanted to remember that so that I could use that you know or uh the uh the the hand drums that uh that that they're playing this this sound kind of sound you know interacts with the bass and this sound kind of interacts with the vocal and you know just being aware of the most basic things that you I already knew about you know maybe a drum set like how a drum set works or I, I already understood you know. To some degree, how a violin works, but I didn't know how a rebab worked, and I didn't know, you know, how a frame drum worked, and uh, and so I went, you know, on this whole journey. And uh, my end goal was I wanted to be, I wanted to tell this story really authentically. And I really cared that people would hear it and say, this isn't just some kid being like, I know, I know music, listen to my music, you know? (laughs) Like, (laughs) (laughs) have,
0: have like the boy who danced on air. You know, here you are with this, this country, this whole culture of stuff, and you're just completely ignoring it and giving Ethel Merman Exactly. Coaching coaching. How you know embarrassing I
1: mean? would that be? <laughs> yeah. I And I still have fear, you know, because I did... I also was aware I needed to dramatize the story. I right. do have to use sounds and certain techniques mm-hmm. that people are familiar with, so when when something terrifying is happening, they're not sitting there going, oh, what an interesting, pretty thing. That's how, You know, <laughs> they have to know. This they is, have to you a, know. dun, dun, dun.
0: <laughs> well,
1: maybe good. not that's quite. That's yeah, yeah, that uh, is actually number 16C <laughs> that you just sang. Um,
2: but I actually, I actually think this was, like, a large conversation that we had early on was, like, the, you know, it's sort of like what I said earlier, where a, a lot of our uh, discussion is like, we wanted our audience to feel, we wanted anyone in the audience, um, and a musical theater audience to feel so close to these people. And like, I think that A real danger in writing a story like this is it becomes like, oh, that's what they do over there. Yeah, distancing. And the music, I think you did some really smart things in. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I'll take that compliment.
0: compliment. (laughs) Um, Um, But I think, but I right. The wish
1: is to it's to uh, take people over that gap, grab their hands and say, there, you know, this is, we are talking about a subject that m- you might not have ever heard of before, mm-hmm. but this is something you can interact with and something that you should interact with.
0: Right. I'm, you know, and as, as I watch the two of you interact with each other, which I like, and um, then I think about this particular story that you're trying to tell. And I'm thinking about the differences that you guys bring to your individual personal differences that you bring to telling this particular type of story. Um, is there a fear that you're gonna um, bring too much of you into the storytelling for this particular type of story? do you are you very cautious of that altogether?
2: Um, I think uh, I, I would say no. I mean, I think my fear was much more that I, I kept the material or the characters mm-hmm. um, outside of myself, mm-hmm. particularly like the men. Right. Because because yeah. that is, you know, I think a the easy thing to do and be the thing that would be really wrong to do right. would be to just sort of do this very like simple story where you villainize people or or. or you know, whatever. Um, And so I think our journey in writing this show has really been about bringing ourselves to it or bringing the characters to us and seeing things in them that are... In us, and that, and the hope then is that you're sitting in the audience and you're like, Oh, when I read about the, what this show was going to be about, I thought I was going to be sitting back like this, exactly. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, like yeah, kind of how it was like, it it yeah, I mean, was when I read the 20s. Yeah, like, wait, wait, wait a minute, right? He's queen, <laughs> not yeah, the he, first he, time he, someone uh, said,
1: uh, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. <clears throat> But also, I mean, I think I think any musical—well, I shouldn't speak for everyone, but as a musical theater writer, there is always a fear that somebody will say, Oh, what do you know about this person's experience? Why do you think you can write a song for— you know, maybe an old woman to sing, talking about something, something that happened to her in her life. Mm-hmm. You, you've never been through something like that, Isn't you know? know. And it's, uh, and and so, so the scary—that's always a scary thing. I'm always terrified of that. And, and
2: I, I, will say, in this case, like you know, obviously, it's there is a another level of um, of care that needs to be taken, and part of that has always been about what voices are in the room, who are we talking to about this show, you know. Um, it was, you know, from the beginning. It was always very important at different points to engage people who had, you know, grown up in Afghanistan or had some knowledge of Afghanistan to read the script and be like, "Hey, you know, this is this scene read a little false to me. Like this, this moment, I don't really think would happen." Um, and uh, and I think you know we've been very fortunate. I mean, in that we live in New York City and. Yeah. Um, even when we did it in San Diego, there's, you know, um, there it, it was not difficult to reach out to people, you yeah. know, and um, so and, and, and we've luckily run into people who are very generous with their time. and mm. um, And so I think it's it's, you know, it's one of those things that I think writing a show like this requires a lot more care, I would say, than if we were you know, writing our, 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 you know, Life in Prospect Heights musical. <laughs> right, which is on the way. <laughs> yeah, we will yeah, be back here to promote heights. it.
1: Prospect Heights. Prospect in Heights. I love that. <laughs> we're using <laughs> it. Look,
2: any any way we can get, like, a
0: Lin-Manuel Miranda angle on any of this, yeah, 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 yeah. we're ready. <laughs> <laughs> Broadway, here we come. Oh, um, my God, Tim Rosser, <laughs> Charlie Soane. You Okay, so, you know, I, I like... I like what's possible what's kind of possible for this piece when you guys sat down to do this and you were getting ready to do your your run in san Diego yeah what was the f- what was the biggest fear that you had the night that it opened um,
2: well <laughs> honestly um uh, well, the biggest fear we had the night that it opened um, it was the San Diego process was so fast mm-hmm. um, that it was just like i hope everyone comes on with their props you know mm. i then like <laughs> you know looking back on it i'm like oh wow i there were so many things about the re- re- reaction to that show that could have gone
1: kind of gone um, wrong
2: but yeah. didn't but didn't i mm. mean i think we we really lucked out with the theater we were at the diversionary theater which is yeah. wonderful and they had a great built-in community and audience that and um you know i think every, like it just it felt like such a warm environment to develop a musical and people seemed to get it which was i mean everything mm-hmm. people kept telling us when we when we went out to san diego like oh San Diego is a conservative theater town, you know, yeah. this, this show. We like
0: all theater, not soon? <laughs> quite so <racing>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, And I will, and
2: I will say, I will say there, there was on, which is fine. Cause so the diversionary theater, it has a, a long history of producing gay work. It's okay. a gay theater. It's one of the oldest gay theaters in the country. Um, and one of the funniest things I thought was on our first preview, um, there was like an argument in the lobby, where uh, where this guy was like to oh my god, girlfriend. you're telling the story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, a, it. I he, love... was, like, he okay. was like, he was like, I don't know why you took me to a gay show and like stormed out. And I was like, <laughs> of all the things, <laughs> yeah, I was like, of all the like, things in the show,
0: storming out is so gay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, this yeah. <laughs> thing, you better bring it back in here. <laughs> <laughs> you want some this tonight? You better bring it back to me. Yeah, I didn't realize. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that, that, that was funny. that was the beautiful thing. <laughs>
2: she stayed, but it it was very funny because, and I don't think we would it, like. I don't think this would ever be a common reaction to this mm-hmm. show, but given all of the sensitive things that happen in the show, the fact that you know probably what he was responding negatively to was like a like chased beautiful kiss between two boys was like <laughs> hilarious to us. <laughs> like... Especially this costume, just like just, just kind of twirling
0: around in that little ensemble. <laughs> <laughs> it's. <laughs> Look, we're going to start some
2: passion friends with him. <laughs> yeah, you
0: just wait. You can judge us now. Tony, the boy who danced on air May 15th and June 11th at the Abingdon Abingdon.
1: It's Abingdon. gonna be on the tip of your tongue one it, of these you know, days. Yeah. yeah. yeah you one
0: wait. day I'll get it and I'll do it right
2: <laughs> I'll... Or <incorporate> it into <laughs> your vocal. Exactly. Yeah. Abingdon
0: <laughs> Theatre oh, Company. There it is. There it June is. June Havoc Theatre <laughs> here in New York City. The boy who danced on air. And you know, how exciting though, because you are um you're taking on first of all, the climate that we're in right now, just yep. in general mm-hmm. for the arts is pretty Touch and go. And then you realize that when you're telling stories that could be seen as somewhat dangerous or somewhat controversial in this period is very hard to manage. And then you think about the subject matter that you guys (laughs) are doing. And then you're like, wow, you're asking a lot for people to take on in this post 9 11 year to look, you know. And the thing that I love is that what you're trying to do is to get a set of compassionate eyes on a situation that none of us, all three of us in this room, until you sat here and told me what this ultimately was, you know what I mean? i mean, have the sheets of, yeah. But, like, to sit and, and have three people that have absolutely no idea that something so, to my mind, kind of horrific, you know, in a culture that will castigate you for basically being openly gay but has no problems with selling you to a family you know having a family sell your young ch- young male child to some old geezer cuz he's got money so he can dress him up and dance right, him around right. the room and then physically abuse him yeah. and you do that all under the guise of religion
2: yeah. And I mean I, you know? I yeah, yeah, and I, I I will say just to because particularly because of the times we're in and 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 you know things are the Islamophobia is everywhere. I should um just make it very clear that um, like you know obviously the Quran mm-hmm. this is not okay by the Quran. Um this is like the vast majority of the Muslim world it it, it looks down on this practice. Right. Um, And, uh, and so I, so I think that, and that actually, I mean, that gets to a broader question, but that was a big part, you know, it's a small show, there's a cast of five people, Mm -hmm. and getting that information in there to the audience, you know, is just so, like, no one takes the wrong message. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, you, like,
0: for you guys specifically, what message is it that you want to try to, um... Yeah. get to people with this
2: I mean I think I think for me and um, I I don't want to say too much that would give no. give away plot no. points but I but I do think that there's um at at its heart um, I think it is a show about how um, individuals fit into larger culture and like and how you carve out space for yourself um, even uh, because because I think every you know society has a, a, a way things work, um, and individuals are always uh, in awkward fit for right. the way things work, mm. and everyone in this show grapples with that. Every like no you know, and it's it's something. No that, one's a perfect uh, fit. Yeah, no. and that's and that's I mean that's our lived experience too. You mm-hmm. know, it's like every culture you know like we. Love and you know, I mean, there are people in this country who call themselves biblical literalists. Yeah. You're like, you're not a biblical literalist. Like, you're an have idiot. you read the Bible? Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, I did. I, I just began to turn. No, you're just an idiot when you do. Right, that. but but it is, but it is. It's amazing because it's not. It's also not cynical too. It's sincerely held beliefs that that, that this is what that I am like, fitting myself a hundred percent into what the Bible says. And, you know, humanity is a lot messier and, you know, the texts themselves are messier. And I, I, I think I think exploring that navigation will not, I don't think this is, I also don't think this is an, you know, anti-religious show either. Mm-hmm. I do think it, um, there are, and it's not an anti-tradition show. But, but um, it
0: certainly shines a, a conversation. It yeah. It forces some sort of conversation. Yes, Right exactly. About religious practices and... And, cultural, and practices. cultural practices and how they can clash and or you know, one right. can one will be looked down upon in one area of town and not have an issue with it in the other area the other, of town. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, you know? exactly. Totally, totally. That's wild. That's wild. Oh yeah. well gosh guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean I feel like at some point in time you're doing exactly what I wanted to see happen, which is I've been clamoring for like the last since I started doing this podcast a year ago. I have been into the, you know, I'm a musical theater queen and I live for it. And I love me, you know. I yeah. still haven't seen the Hello Dolly revival. Hey, guys, I don't know. But, you know, when I, it was announced that it was coming back at that one point, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. We got to Hello Dolly again. Right. And, of course, it's Bette Midler, yeah. so you're going to go with it. And then <laughs> you got go. it Shout out to Tony Award nominee <laughs> Kate Baldwin. Yes, Kate Baldwin. I love <laughs> and Gavin Creel. Yeah. Yes, on. Gavin Creel. Yeah. David I. Pierce, we're not on his side
1: (laughs) (laughs) we are not all in agreement in this room we're gonna work it out after the podcast we're gonna
0: start doing our trading cards oh my god I'm so glad I brought mine I didn't even know you should always have them like this but but again like you know I, I want new. I want to see what's new. And you mm-hmm. and um, the two of you guys and then another young guy, Max Vernon, mm-hmm. who has Who's view, lovely. We love. love the yeah. Max. Upstairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And upstairs. And I feel very privileged to some degree, you know, even though I'm a whole jaded queen. Um, <laughs> I feel very privileged to talk to you and to have had a chance to talk to, like, Max Vernon because it gives me a much better perspective and a better sense of hope that there's going to be fun conversations about gay people in different formats and in different ways. Like, you know, his piece is a little bit more historical slash, you know, bringing the future and the present together. Mm -hmm. And you guys are talking about something that has been hidden within a culture that we've deemed to be so anti-gay, anti-whatever. And then to see that there's, you know, seeing this piece, of, of energy going on within that culture. It's sort of like, well, come on now. What's, what's right. going to be next to come uncovered? And you guys are bringing that forward, and I love that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I love that. Thanks. Can, yeah, can, I can.
2: think that that was, that's actually, like, reminds me of another, like, that, that impulse of, of watching this practice and be like, and realizing that, Particularly at the, you know, like the war in Afghanistan was, mm-hmm. in, was, was in, in, it was in still in the headlines when it's we, yeah, mess. and it's still, still a mess when, but, but it did point out how narrow our view of Afghanistan was and. How un uncomplicated and how with a broad brush, you know, a news story yeah. can paint people or paint a culture in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I think on a broad level, one thing that I like about this is it, it does it does flip a couple of the switches of like if you're walking in going like, oh well, I've read about the Taliban,
0: so mm-hmm. I know right. these things. You know,
2: yeah. um, uh, I think it's 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 worthwhile to see as many different angles on on a thing as you as possibly possible. can. Yeah.
0: that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, y'all, honey. Ha, 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 Come May 15th over at the Abingdon Theatre Company's June Havoc Theatre. Oh my yeah, god. well amazing. done. Come on. My name is Keith. yours? Yes. Um. <laughs> oh my god. I cannot wait oh for my that god. revival. This
2: revival.
0: Honey with Staunton. Did you see that that yes, might be coming? she was oh, great. Yeah, she mm. was oh, incredible. Um, unbelievable.
2: Also, I've never seen Gotta Get a Gimmick so good. <laughs> that was... did you, that <laughs> number? I just tell you... They
1: were amazing.
2: Okay, incredible.
0: first of all, we're going to take a side note because I was just going to close out, close out, but we need, we're going to have <laughs> we a need queen confab. deal fab. with it. to It's important. quick that. Queen fab. <laughs> Yes. Gotta get a gimmick. The best advice to anybody thinking about leaving their life and going into the world yeah. of theater. Yeah. I i cannot tell you i as a comedian as an actor like that song next to fabulous baby from sister act those two songs <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> are the two songs that i have somewhere on my iPod at some given time whenever i have to have a moment and it's interesting because you know i can't wait to see you're gotta get to give us one my favorite. Ever. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm it's all great. about. Being if you wanna dressy, bump I, it, bump it with a trumpet. Yeah, you Shut have it. to. No, honey, it's a dressy, testy tour. <laughs> <laughs> much easier. <She's> <laughs> to hey, honey. I just realized
1: we've got three people I here. I think we have everything we need right now. Yes. To
0: <laughs> <laughs> let me grab my okay, trumpet. I'll be right back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right,
0: so that, this is going to be when, when if you guys are still around for the, the Gypsy of the Year, I think that's what's going to be coming around later in the fall. With, yeah. with the, I want to be in the number. I don't care. The Absolutely. Three of us, we're going to just do the number, and you don't need to tell the cast that they're going to do it. You just yeah, represent the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to be too tired. Exactly. Yeah, they're so tired. They're so tired. <laughs> exhausted because they're already dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're oh doing my all God. this dancing. <laughs> but the boy who danced on air at the Abingdon Theatre Company's June Havoc Theatre starting May 15th through June 11th. You guys come to town in New York City. This is an opportunity, as I always try to tell you, that because of the fact that you're not going to get Hamilton tickets, you really should <laughs> open your mind and your palate to something yeah. different because, again, not everything is happening on Broadway that will reach the audiences and reach people in a way that I think... You know, like how theater touches the soul on so many different levels. And sometimes those big, great shows, which I love, don't have the ability to do that because there are big, broad shows. Whereas something like this is an intimate story in an intimate space that gives you the opportunity to have an intimate experience. And so if you are coming to New York City, again, I can't stress that to you, you know, These are the if you're a theater lover and you're coming to New York City specifically, don't let yourself be sold by just what's happening on Broadway. Not that I don't love Broadway and you know I do, y'all know I do. (laughs) But at the same time, don't forget that a lot of these these things that you see on Broadway come from off Broadway. A lot of these things that these ideas that people are giving you off Broadway end up on Broadway. So be there where it's happening first. I always like to say be where the art starts. You know, awesome. so you know, kudos, guys. Tim rosser and Charlie Sun, thank you so much. Thank for you. Thank fun you. Me. Yeah, this was awesome. And this was we fun. will be back. For more podcasts, go to Keith Price's Curtain Call on iTunes, SoundCloud, Mixcloud, and Google Play.